Welcome again to The Entrepreneur's Advisor, the business podcast built for entrepreneurs and business owners. Join your host, Chip Schweiger, and his guests as they talk about proven strategies that can help you level up your company to go from seven figures to eight and from eight figures to nine. If you are a business owner, investor, or industry insider looking for actionable tips to make more money, improve profits, and increase the value of your business, you're in the right place. And now, once again, your host, Chip Schweiger. Well, hi there, and welcome to this week's episode of the Entrepreneur's Advisor Podcast, the podcast where you get one actionable tip each week to increase the value of your business. Say, if you're a new listener, a very warm welcome to what we think is quickly becoming one of the best business podcasts for entrepreneurs. And if you're a regular listener and subscriber, thanks for joining us again this week. Really happy that you're here. So I'm your host, Chip Schwager, and to set the table for the new listeners, I'm a 27-year veteran of public accounting and corporate finance, where I've helped some of the largest companies in America grow. But my real passion is in helping entrepreneurs and business owners like you. You know, the great thing about entrepreneurs is that you're constantly evolving and embracing necessary change for the betterment of your organizations. And as seasoned growth consultants and coaches, we're no different. So before we get started this week, I wanted to once again connect the dots a bit. We recently rebranded both this podcast and the growth advisory firm I founded. If you used to listen to and enjoy the Entrepreneur's Accountant podcast, you're still in the right place. We changed our firm name, changed our logo, and refreshed our brand proposition to broaden our focus to entrepreneurs and business owners like you. We also renamed this podcast to the Entrepreneur's Advisor Podcast because we do a whole lot more than just accounting. In fact, the new name represents the time-honored vision our clients possess to grow their businesses in true entrepreneurial style. Now, whether you want to exit your business in the near future or continue to run your company with more freedom, our experienced advice can help you achieve your goals. Now, new is fun and exciting, but change can also sometimes be uncomfortable. So I want to assure you in clear terms that what hasn't changed at all is our commitment to the growth of your business. In fact, that passion is strengthened by our rebranding. So with that cleared up, this week, let's talk value. Yep, value as in a valuable business. Now sit back for a second and think, what does the word valuable mean for you as you're listening right now? Maybe it's a business you can pass along to your kids or other family members. Maybe it's one that you can use as a platform to acquire other businesses in different markets or geographies, or as a means to vertically integrate. But often when we talk about a valuable business, we're talking about one that's a million-dollar business. But what's so special about owning a million-dollar business? Well, businesses are often valued on a multiple of earnings when they sell. So getting to a million dollars in profits means you're not only getting a higher multiple, but you're also applying that multiple to a higher base number. Essentially, you're getting to be a really valuable company. Now, before we get started, let's pause for a moment to make sure we're on the same page. Earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization, or what we call EBITDA, is an established financial concept. And when we talk about a million-dollar profit business, we're really talking about one with a million dollars or more in EBITDA. 
And that's because EBITDA is a measure of past profitability, but also an indication of future profitability. In fact, it's the measure. And it's been used in businesses to invest and buy and sell companies for like the last 40 years. It's that tried and true asset test to determine what companies are worth. And if you're thinking about exiting in the future or getting more investor dollars in your business, this week we're going to talk about why there's so much magic to the $1 million mark. And we're going to take it from the lens of business and the financial end of your company. And because of that, let's clarify that EBITDA is a financial measure, while other measures that you may hear about are tax concepts. Now, a lot of folks think that their tax books and their financial books are the same, but they're actually not. They're actually very different for purposes of creating a valuable business and for investors. So this week, we're talking about the finances of your company rather than taxes, because if you want to make your business more valuable, you've got to look at it from a financial perspective, and that's where EBITDA comes in. But why all the fuss about a million dollars? Well, quite simply, the million-dollar mark is a tipping point at which the number of buyers interested in acquiring your business goes up dramatically. And the more interested buyers you have, the better multiple of earnings you can command. Now, for example, according to the research at the Value Builder system, a company with a $200,000 in EBITDA might be lucky to fetch three times EBITDA, or what we call a three times multiple, or $600,000. A company with a million dollars in EBITDA would likely command at least five times that figure, or $5 million. So while the company with a million dollars in EBITDA is five times bigger than the $200,000 company, because of its higher multiple, it's almost 10 times more valuable. Now, there are several reasons that companies with a higher EBITDA get higher multiples, and let's look at three of them. And the first one is called frictional costs. Now, frictional costs are the total direct and indirect costs associated with the execution of a financial transaction. The frictional cost comprehensively takes into consideration all the costs associated with a particular transaction. Calculating the friction cost provides an investor with a full range of expected costs that they can expect to incur. It costs about the same in legal and banking fees to buy a company for $600,000 as it does to buy a company for $5 million. In large deals, these frictional costs often become a rounding error, but they amount to a punitive tax on smaller deals. But here's the reality for you. The greater the frictional costs, the less someone is willing to pay for your company or to invest in your company. Now, why is that? Well, they have to consider these costs and what they pay and whether it's worth it to them to acquire you. The second one we want to talk about is what we call the 520 rule. Now, it's a rule that's in mergers and acquisitions, and it comes from M&A firms who have discovered that in many deals, the acquiring company is between 5 and 20 times the size of the target company. Now, I've seen this 520 rule at play in many situations, and more often than not, your natural acquirer will indeed be between 5 and 20 times the size of your business. And why is that? Well, If an acquiring business is less than five times your size, it's what we would call a bet-the-company decision for the acquirer. If the acquisition fails, it will likely kill the acquiring company. So there's lots of risk, right? Likewise, if the acquirer is more than 20 times the size of your business, the acquirer probably isn't going to enjoy a meaningful lift in its revenue from buying you. 
most big mature companies aspire for 10 to 20% top line revenue growth at a minimum. Now, if they can get 5% of organic growth, they'll try to acquire another 5% through acquisition, which means they need to look for a company with enough girth to move that needle, and you want that to be you. And the last reason is private equity and venture capital. Now, private equity groups and venture capital firms make up a large chunk of the acquirers in the mid-market. And in 28 years of working in accounting and finance, I know for certain that the value of your company will move up considerably if you're able to get a few private equity groups interested in buying your business. But most private equity groups are looking for companies with at least a million dollars in EBITDA. Remember, we're talking finance this week. Yes, the million-dollar cutoff is somewhat arbitrary, but it's also very common. Similar to home buyers who narrow the house search to houses that fit within a price range or colleges that look for a minimum SAT score, if you don't fit the minimum criteria, you may not be considered. So what's next? Well, if you're close to a million dollars in EBITDA and getting antsy to sell, you may want to hold off until your profits eclipse that million-dollar threshold. The universe of buyers and the multiple of those buyers are willing to offer jumps nicely once you reach seven figures. Now, there are things that you can do now to help you get there. You can continue to assess vendor relationships to make sure you're maximizing profitability on a product or service basis. And we talked about this a few episodes back. That can really help you get over the hump. Oh, and did we mention getting those books in general sorted out? Because if you're thinking of exiting, it's worth it. But there's one other thing to think about, too. As a business owner, you're likely proud of the results that you've achieved in the past. But when it comes to the value of your business and to creating this million-dollar business, your future is actually what's critical. That's why the growth potential is one of the eight factors that drive the value of your business. And if you're thinking about exiting your business in the future or gaining investors, One metric that acquirers may use to evaluate your growth potential is your revenue per employee. So consider this. Alphabet, which is Google's parent company, generates around $1.3 million in revenue per employee. Now compare that to the advertising agency WPP Group, whose average revenue per employee is around $100,000. For every dollar of revenue, WPP needs more than 10 times the employee's than Alphabet does. And it takes time to recruit and train and to motivate people. So the lower the revenue per employee in any particular company, the slower the growth and the lower the business valuation when compared to less people-heavy companies. Now, measuring your revenue per employee is just one of the many ways an investor may evaluate how quickly they are likely to grow your company. For an example, some of the other ways acquirers assess growth potential Let's take a look at Verizon's acquisition of a company called Skyward. Now, Jonathan Evans started Skyward in 2012 when he spotted companies like Amazon and Walmart using drones for package delivery. Evans was working as an air ambulance helicopter pilot and quickly realized that widespread use of drones would eventually create air safety issues. So Evans saw an opportunity where others hadn't and launched Skyward to develop software that could safely route drone traffic. While he wasn't a programmer, he did have extensive aviation experience, and that experience enabled him to understand how the current airspace management guidelines could be turned into applications that created what we'll call digital train tracks for drones. 
Now, early adopters like utility, construction, and media companies used Skyward software to manage their drone fleets. Investors also came calling, and within a few years, Skyward had raised approximately $8 million. One of those investors was Verizon. Drones would require fast and reliable internet connectivity to operate safely, and the telecom giant wanted a piece of that future. Airbus came calling too, and when Verizon heard of the Aerospace Corporation's interest, they leaped into action and offered to buy the company. For Evans, marrying his nascent technology to the country's largest telecommunications giant was an ideal match. Within days, Evans had sold Skyward to Verizon for top dollar. Investors enjoyed returns of between three and five times their original investment. Now, given the growth of the industrial drone market, Verizon knew Skyward had the potential to expand quickly as significant companies started to adopt drones. Verizon also understood that as Skyward grew, so too would customers need for Verizon's data because drones rely on a data connection to communicate with the ground. So what's the takeaway here? Well, I think the critical takeaway is to remember that the value of your business is determined less by what you've done in the past and more by what you're likely to do in the future. So if you want to create a million-dollar business, that's where you need to focus. Look, there's trillions of dollars of capital in private equity and family offices, and many of them focus solely or primarily in your industry. They're looking for good companies for investments or growth capital. We read about it every day in the financial press. So if you're thinking of exiting your business someday, there are real opportunities out there for you. And the way to maximize those opportunities is to get laser focused on that $1 million EBITDA mark and look to the future as one way to do it. And if you want to learn more about the tips and tricks of creating a valuable business, just drop us a note at vistiumgrowth.com forward slash podcast or send me an email at chip at vistiumgrowth.com. And also one last reminder, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we're on Twitter. And all of them are at Vistium Growth. So let's connect. And with that, we're done for this week. Hope you'll join us again next week. And until then, we'll see you. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's Advisor, the podcast for entrepreneurs, business owners, and investors. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to this podcast. It's easy to do so by clicking on that subscribe button or follow button. And you can also visit us on the web at www.vistiumgrowth.com forward slash podcast. That's V-I-S-T-I-U-M growth.com. We'll catch you in the next episode. And thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur's Advisor Podcast.